Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to have you this morning. Right here with me once again is... Pastor Terry Schuff. Pastor Terry, you show up and show out. You know, you're here sometime, you're here not. Brother, I just, you know, I'm just praying for some consistency in you, brother. <laughs> I'm trying to get everything else lined up. Brother. I know you are, brother. Good to have you back this morning. and Good to have all of you. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. This is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. And if you want more uh, information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website, which is www.biggrace.com. That's www.biggrace.com. If you have any questions about the show or if you have any uh, comments or uh, anything you'd like to ask concerning the Word of God, we'd love to answer it here live on our uh, program, which is Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Central Time. You can actually email me at raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com, raven at biggrace.com. And I am Pastor Troy, and I'd be glad to answer your questions or respond to any comments that you might have in this forum or as a result of this forum at any time. So good to have you if you're visiting with us for the first time. Good to have you. And I want to uh, uh, welcome our international guest. We have folks that are not necessarily live at this time, but watch it on delay, or they uh, pluck it off of our website later in MP3 format. And there's pastors from Pakistan, India, and several in, in Africa, and maybe other parts of the world that we're not yet aware of, that take these classes. They download them, and they use them for training and teaching in their Bible, uh, indigenous Bible classes for their folks as well. So we want to welcome you and thank you for your labor of love and what you do for the kingdom and let you know that you are so appreciated and that we pray for you and just ask for God's blessing. Uh, we are going to be in chapter, talking about chapter 7 today in the book of Romans. This is an expository teaching on the book of Romans. And today is our, help me Deb, you're my numbers girl. 89. This is class 89 in the book of Romans. We have been here for a number of months. Uh, but this 89th lesson, if you think that, man, I've missed out on the previous ones, you have not, you can actually go to our website, once again, biggrace.com, and you will find these uh, where you can download those for absolutely free of charge. Uh, no twenty nine ninety five for an album full. You can get them for absolutely free. Use those for what you want to. Take them, record them, give them away. Uh, put your name on them. It doesn't matter to us. Freely we have received, freely we give. We're not looking to make a dollar off it. We're looking to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Pastor Terry, that's why we're here every single day. You know, when it comes right down to it, uh, again, this is a labor of love. We enjoy doing this. God has invested His Word in our lives. We've seen the testimony of Jesus for decades, uh, how He's transformed us and brought deliverance and victory into our lives. And uh, it's our reasonable service. This is just reasonable service to come. But it's not to just inform people. I made this comment this past week that we come before the Word of God uh, that we're not here just to inform, but we're here to see a transforming happen in people's lives. And so that's what we're here for, to see a transformation come in the work. I want to put this, yeah, thank you, Raven Deb. We'll address, any questions that you have, we'll address at the end. But Or if you'll email me at raven at biggrace.com, then I can focus just strictly on your, uh, your questions. And that way we're not you know, diving around, hitting here and there. And so we, I will answer any questions that you have. Take as much time as you want. But if we can just focus on the, the message at hand during the course of the, the hour-long program, I'd appreciate that so much. But thank you for joining us as well. But we're here, Pastor Terry, to, to transform people into really ministers of reconciliation. You know, Ephesians tells us that he's given some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what is the work of the ministry? What is the work of the ministry? Yeah. As far as going out and reaching the lost? Not preaching the Preaching the word. Oh, am I being set up this morning? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Guys, I was know. actually thinking a little. Brother, as far as the 
the number of hours. If we were, to, if you were to start listening to that today, or listening to all the teachings today, it'd take you nearly four days to to yeah. get all all the teaching that's in the Book of Romans so far. Yeah, if you're listening 24 hours a day. So, brother, you long. caught me off guard. I was got you off the guard. I was doing a little math. I do him every once in a while like that. So, uh, good to good to, uh, to to know that you are with us today, brother, <laughs> in body if not in mind. But really, the work, the whole work of the ministry is just bringing people to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. That's our responsibility to it. I was talking to a sister in the Lord from uh, Canada yesterday, and she was just talking about witnessing to people. And I told her, I said, Sis, really, witnessing to people is like setting someone up on a blind date. I said, you look at someone's life, you see the emptiness, you see their desire for companionship, and you, you say to them, listen, I know the ultimate companion. You want someone that will listen to you? I know who that is. You want someone that's going to be faithful? I know who that is. You know somebody that's going to always be there? I know who that is. And you introduce people to Christ Jesus. That's the work of the ministry. Now, what happens after that, that first blind date ceases to be our responsibility. We uh, introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some plant, some water, and it's Him that gives the increase. And so what we want to do here uh, in this forum is equip you with the Word of God to make you more effective ministers of Reconciliation. So that's our job. So if you're wondering what we're here today for, it's not to uh, to get you in a situation where you can quote more scriptures than your neighbor, or you can beat somebody up with the, the club of the Bible, or that you can just say, I, I sit in a Bible study and I'm, I'm a righteous person now. Folks, listen, that's not what it's all about. We want to equip you so that you can do and be those things that God has called you to be and do for His kingdom. So, Pastor Terry, you weren't here yesterday. You were down taking care of some business in another city. But on yesterday's program, we dealt with a really a very interesting and very applicable verse of Scripture. And really what, what we uh, dealt with was really kind of the root cause and problem addressed by Paul the Apostle in this verse. And the verse that we dealt with was Romans 7.15. And you that were with us yesterday uh, know that. If you weren't with us yesterday, this class will be uh, available on our website, biggrace.com. Click on Raven Magazine. And it will be available right after lunchtime. Yesterday's class as well as this one as well. But verse 15 said this. It says, uh, you're like, is it really? Yes, it is. Uh, For what I am doing, Paul said, I do not understand. For what I will to do, or what I desire to do, or what I want to do, that is not what I end up doing. But what I hate, that I do. And so really, Paul was addressing the the age-long issue. I mean, how many of us that are here today, literally across the United States and in other countries as well, have have said to ourselves in relationship to our walk with God, it's the things that I say I'm going to do, it's kind of like on, what is it, New Year's, people make these New Year's resolutions. And I think studies have shown that most people break that resolution within the first week. And so I want to do it. Does that mean those folks weren't sincere? I believe that they were very sincere and they really wanted to lose weight or quit smoking or whatever their their resolution was. But for some reason, they, they weren't very resolute in their resolution, so to speak. And so Paul was dealing with that same issue. He said, you know, here I am. The things that I want to do, I, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. So the context of this verse, and we've talked about this, is really the heart of this parenthetical statement that chapter 7 is in the in the midst of his that he's bringing to us, and so in the midst of this doctrinal teaching on the new birth and over the victory of the sin nature, he, he stops and he, he gives us this snapshot, this picture to kind of bring us back into focus. And folks, so often it's, it's easy to do that. I know people that have been in quote unquote church for years and years and started out very determined, very resilient, very faithful to the things of God, but for some reason along the line they found themselves. Uh, 
basically losing focus on the things of God. And as a result of that, uh, they, they've just lost their relationship with Him. And so sometimes you have to literally stop in the midst of it and get resolute. You've got to come back to that point. I believe that's exactly what, what Paul has done in this instance. He, he's come and he said, you know, I, I want to bring you to this place and explain some things to you. And so over the course of these six chapters that we studied prior to the seventh chapter, we're really put into a place of self-examination. I don't know about you, but you know, I'm, I'm here teaching the class, and man, it's just I find myself falling under the scrutiny of the of the Word of God. I find myself being examined by the Holy Spirit in my life, and so we're 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 we're, we're put under the scrutiny of God's Word by the Holy Spirit dealing our life. And it would be easy for us really sometimes just throw our hands up at this midway point of of the study and say, you know what, that's enough. How can I get this? Uh, let alone live this. And then, all of a sudden, Paul the Apostle stops. Really, and, and within the text of this wonderful commentary and teaching, in, in chapter 7, and, and, I, and I hope that you can really see it this way in this, he, he, he first sets the tone in regards to what brought about his own struggles, and then was attempting to combine his past and present, which that was his struggle, the law and grace, and he was trying to combine those things in an effort to produce righteous relationship with God. You know, it starts out talking about, you know, here's Paul the Apostle and he addresses it. He said, you know, he said, I speak to those that know the law. In other words, those that have been, have been trained up either through uh, the fact that they were raised Jews or that they had just a working knowledge of Judaism because they were raised in that area. And so he's addressing people that were aware of the moral law of Moses, the, the Ten Commandments, so to speak, minus the fourth. And so he's telling that, and so he's addressing, and he's saying, listen, guys, I had the same struggles. I kept trying to combine things together and somehow produce it. How many times do we meet people? I remember a conversation we had recently with someone, and they were talking about, you know what, what I like to do is, and here's, this is a quote from them, what I do, I like to pull things from all different kind of faiths, and the things that work for me I bring together. You know, folks, that's just dangerous. And that's what, that's what Paul was saying right here. Guys, you can't serve two masters. You can't begin to bring all these things together and hope that you can find a happy medium or, or find a place that just works for you. And so Paul was addressing that. Then he reveals that you can't be married to another and be married to Christ uh, uh, through salvation. You just can't do that. Otherwise, you find yourself walking in a situation of spiritual adultery. Then he shows us that the law came as that warning sign. And we spent the better part of a, 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 of a class just talking about how that is. And I hope you can get that picture in your mind. Uh, and he said, you know, it's a warning sign to, to warn us of the imminent danger of eternal damnation. And, and, and many people, though, instead of seeing the correction as God's love, man, in most cases, has rebelled against the warning sign and has chosen literally to drive headlong into the abyss of personal uh, failure and, and eventually eternal hell. And so what's interesting, though, to note and remember is that this seventh chapter is, is not addressing the struggles of the unredeemed, the unbeliever, the unregenerate, however you want to put it, the person that doesn't know Christ Jesus. It's, it's addressing the issues of people who sincerely desire to follow God. Now, brother, I know, and I've, I know people that, that have got off in error. Now, are they sincere? In, in many cases, yeah, I believe they're sincere. They're sincerely wrong, but they're sincere. And folks, listen, you can be sincere and be wrong. And I think Paul really kind of addressed this and pointed this out. He showed that, listen, there's a sincerity in me. But he said, in my sincerity, and we've talked about this in the 15th verse, he said, the things that I sincerely wanted to do, I sincerely didn't do. The things that I sincerely said I, I would never do, I sincerely found myself doing it. So folks, listen, the issue is never about sincerity. 
The, the issue has always got to be about faithfulness and obedience and trusting in God. Because our sincerity, is, you know, as is, is well intended at the end, can be misplaced. And it can be the thing, you know, I, I sincerely don't want to believe that the warning signs of thou shall not are there. And I can plunge headlong into it. Or I can sincerely believe that I can take all of these, 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 these religions, true and false, and combine them together into one thing that's going to be satisfactory to the Lord God Almighty in that one. We just cannot do that. Or I can say that, listen, all these religions... Religions are basically the same. They're all pointing to a God and whatever His name is, what you want to... I can sincerely believe that and sincerely be wrong and find myself uh, really facing the, 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 the destruction of, uh, of an eternal damnation because I failed to, to listen to the warning signs. And so, what He does, He establishes the two main obstacles that impede the victory in the life of the believer. And I mentioned the first one, trying to serve two masters or trying to involve all these other things. Do we have someone talking? Or mic on this morning? Okay. And so I mentioned the first one, and then yesterday's class I dealt with the second one exclusively, and that was the issue of pride. And too bad you weren't here yesterday, brother, because you'd have been like the rest of us and, and saw how much pride that we still have to overcome and, and all those type of deals. But really the two things that Paul dealt with are the same thing that I believe we deal with. We want to invest or inject something into the equation apart from him and, and call it him, and then the second thing that we want to do is we, we have this pride. And we talked about how, how many of the facets and the faces of pride. Pride don't always come out with its chest bowed out, uh, boisterous. Sometimes pride is, is revealed in false humility. Sometimes pride is, is revealed in other things that, that don't appear. It's, or self-rightness or, or trying to do things in our own power. That becomes pride. And as a result, it, 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 it literally, pride becomes the thing that slams the door shut on your spiritual progress and walk of victory in Christ Jesus. And it becomes that thing according to James 4, 6, and we talked about 1 Peter 5, 5, that, that will literally cause heaven to rage and battle against you and remove you literally from the divine influence and control of God's grace. And so if we think about pride or that, that, uh, that, that impediment to, the, to walking in Christ Jesus, listen folks, you've got to understand it. It literally is something that will cause heaven to rage against us. That, you know, uh, and, and, you know, uh, what does it say? That uh, he rejects the proud, or he resists the proud is the actual word, which means to rage against something, but gives grace to the humble. And we never want to put ourselves in a position of having heaven resisting us or raging against us. So what I want to do this morning is, is I want to give you ten points, and it's going to be numbers one through ten, obviously, in regards to where we have come to this point in the class. And I think sometimes we need to stop and kind of, kind of do this, give you an assessment, give you something in, in the midpoint of this study. And it's really, this is kind of a midpoint, probably class-wise, in it. And, and give you, I want to give you ten uh, points in regards to, to where we've come and ten points that you, you need to make sure that you have not missed in these first seven and a half chapters of the book of Romans. And so, <clears throat> since you are taking notes, the, 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 the first point... That, that Romans is making up to this point through verse 15 is that the cross was a double cure. The cross was a double cure. I'll let you get, write that down. And I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about. Folks, when I say that the cross was a double cure, when I say cure, I mean just like you know something is a cure for something. When Jesus Christ died upon the, the cross, Pastor Terry... It was not only to satisfy the death of sin by his death upon the cross, but it was also to break the dominion of the sin nature 
off the heart and life of the believer in Christ Jesus. And I want to say that again. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross, it was not only to satisfy the debt of sin by His death upon the cross, but it was also done to break the dominion of the sin nature off the heart and life of the believer in Christ Jesus. Brother, I believe that there are, uh, that there are many that come to the first revelation of that. That they realize that, you know, man, Jesus died for my sins and, you know, I, I need to get saved. If, unless I do, I'm, I'm not going to be with Him for eternity. But they fail to ever walk in the knowledge and the victory of the second. How many times have you been in services, and many of you have been in the same situations, and you've heard a, a pastor say, listen, we're all just sinners saved by grace. And he's, he's using that in the present tense. And so what you can even hear from that often repeated statement is exactly what I said. It's people getting half of the revelation, but not getting the second half of the revelation. Getting half of the cure, but not the rest of the cure. It's kind of like if you had two diseases in your body, and you went to the hospital, and they fixed one of them, and they didn't fix the other. You know, what's going to end up happening? The one that, was, that, that, that wasn't dealt with is eventually going to take over the rest. It's the exact same way if we don't got the revelation of who Christ Jesus is and, and the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Because, folks, listen, when you come to Christ, there's got to come a place of ultimate victory. There's got to be a place where not only do I know that He's keeping me out of sin, but there's got to be victory now. And we talked about last week about being focused on eternity and having eternity in, in our sights. Not eternity way out there, but if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, according to uh, Matthew 6.33, that, that I'm seeking it today. I'm seeking it right now. I'm seeking it for my life right now. Regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my situation, regardless of my past, regardless of what I went through, that the price of the cross was enough for all of those issues. And so what we've done, because pastors in many cases, churches in many cases, have only preached half of the cure. They've only preached half of the revelation of the cross. What they've done is they've produced generations of instantaneous backsliders. They've created and brought people into the kingdom that expect to fail. They don't expect to have victory. They expect to continue in sin. They, they expect to continuously be miserable in their faith. And when I'm talking miserable, folks, I'm not talking about your, your financial situation. I'm not talking about any of those things. Every one of us are going to face those type of, uh, of issues. Jesus Christ didn't come to fill up your pockets, amen. He came to fill up heaven with the presence of people that desire to serve Him and make that type of transformation. And so when, when I'm talking about that type of thing, I'm talking about a victory that's a spiritual victory, irregardless of what we see in the natural. And so they've been told, uh, been sold a salvation that promises to ultimately keep them from hell, but offers little in regards to walking in a life of holiness right now. And what the double cure does is not only bring the salvation for later, but a holiness now. See, a lot of that, what you hear on the streets, is I go to church every Sunday. Right. That's what that's created, and they think they're okay. And you think about where that comes from, that they say they go to church, and so what they're telling you is they got a revelation of the first point. Mm -hmm. That somebody told me if I go to church, I say a prayer, I walk an aisle, I get water baptized, I, I write a check periodically, then I'm saved. But nobody's ever told them the second part of that, and it's a double cure involved in it. And think about this. Hebrews 12, 12 through 15. Hebrews 12, 12 through 15 says this. It says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. And he said, Pursue peace with all people, 
and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many people come, become defiled. So what do you say? He said there's got to be a strengthening of those things that are feeble. Folks, listen, some of you out there today are people that are, are sincerely uh, desired after God. You sincerely know Him. You can sincerely uh, want Him to be a part of your life. You sincerely want the victory. But you've sincerely had just many struggles. And folks, I, I believe that many of your struggles have come because of somebody's bad teaching into your life. They basically told you that, listen, you're always going to battle in your mind. You're always going to have these, these, these struggles. And you're always going to uh, be a sinner. You're always going to be those things. Rather than saying, you know what? Jesus came to break the back of the dominion of sin off of your life. And, uh, and, and He desired to, to bring you a peace that passes your comprehension and understanding. So as a result, in your sincerity, you've, you've grown frustrated. You, you've, you've had a, you, you're saying, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I love Him. But you've had these, these, these bouts with depression. You've had these, these bouts with unforgiveness and all these type of things because there's been a, a lack of the understanding of the revelation of Christ Jesus. And hopefully this morning we'll give you some tools to, to help you through the Word of God to begin to see that victory and to see that hope. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe the people that loved you the most were the people that, that, that spoke against you the most. You say, God, how do I get past that? You get past that through faith in the cross. And hopefully here in the, in the next little bit, we can, like I said, the Holy Spirit may reveal some of these things to you through this teaching. And so uh, we got to understand that it was a double cure. Not only did it save us from hell, but it broke the dominion and the yoke of, of the sin nature off of our life. And so that was number one. The cross was a double cure. Number two, folks, we are in Christ. If any man, what does it say, be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, all things are made new. So we are in Christ through that. And so the believer, folks, so number two, we are in Christ. The believer has got to realize that he was literally in Christ when Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. As in regards to the breaking of sin's nature, uh, the sin nature's dominion over his life. And so in Romans 6.3, Paul states that we were baptized unto his death. And that by faith or in an act of our own will, we placed ourselves there with Him as He did this work of redemption for us. And folks, since we were with Him at the cross through faith, our old man, now you've got to hear this, our old man or sin nature was also there with Him as well. Your unforgiveness was there as well. Your, your bondage to drugs or alcohol was there as well. Your, your, that, 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 that offense that you, you committed against someone, that sexual immorality, that bondage, that, that, that drug addiction, that, that, that bondage to homosexuality, or whatever it was that was in your life, if you, were, if, you, if you recognized by faith that you were in Him, and those things were nailed to the cross, you realize that all those obstacles, all those things you struggle against, all those things that, that, that want to impede your victory in Christ Jesus were also there. And so if I don't realize that I'm in Christ and identify with Him and what He did for us at the cross, then I'm never going to see victory over those type of things. Folks, we, we quote Galatians 2.20 so many times, and, 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 but we've really got to get a grip on the implication. Galatians 2.20, you know it, that, uh, if any, uh, that I, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. Now, if I've been crucified with Christ, that means that I'm identified with the work that bought my redemption. Now, he tells us, brother, if any man desires to be his disciple, they've got to deny themselves. Do what take up, next? Take up the cross. Take up their cross and follow, follow him. him. 
And folks, listen, that is a taking up of your cross daily. Every single day, point two, and we've got to be in Christ. And we've got to be in Christ identifying, taking up our cross daily, saying, Lord God, anything that would desire to come off of that cross, anything that would desire to reanimate itself through my lack of faith, anything, we've got to nail those things up there. We've got to, we've got to call those things what they are. We've got to recognize them as sin. We've got to see that sin nature. And we've got to declare that it shall no longer have dominion over us, not because my own works of righteousness, because in my flesh dwells no good thing, but because I'm identifying with Christ and I'm with Him and I'm doing those type of things. It's kind of like going somewhere and say you're, you're going to a place that, that only has VIP access, but you're with a very known and prominent person and you're about to pass into the entrance and the person at the gate looks and says, whoa, 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 you can't come in here. And you say, I'm with Him. And He says, okay, come on in. And so your access wasn't bought for you by who you are, what you did, or how you're known. But your access is bought into that place because He's known. And so as He is known, so shall I be known. I need to be known as I am known in Him through my faith in the finished work of the cross. So folks, then is, is we are in Christ in relationship to the cross. We are too in Christ in relationship to the resurrection. Yet, we must know that and that it's a new man that's resurrected with Christ, not the old man that's resurrected with Christ or their old nature. And so if I'm in Him and the old man is crucified with Christ, I'm also in Him at the resurrection. But what is resurrected? Christ is not going to resurrect death. He's going to resurrect us to the newness of life. And so if I become resurrected in Christ Jesus, what happens? If that same Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me, it shall quicken me, even in, in my mortal body. It shall quicken me right now. It's not Amen. going to quicken me later. It's not going to say, you know what? Now I'm going to have all these struggles. Now I know that i got my hope on the prize. Just get me a little corner somewhere in, in glory land. But right now, I'm probably going to have the same battles. I'm going to keep drinking. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep cussing. I'm going to keep womanizing. I'm going to keep having unforgiveness. I'm going to keep compromising, whatever it is. But no, right now I'm in Christ then I've been resurrected with Christ and the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead because I'm in Him is going to dwell in me and it's going to bring a quickening into me. What's it going to bring a quickening? Not my physical body. This physical body, the Word of God says, it perishes daily. It's on its, it's, on its way back into the dust of the earth. But it's, that, it's that, that spirit man that Christ has redeemed and, and has given me a newness of life. It's going to be a, the, the resurrected thought life. It's going to be the resurrected faith. It's going to be a resurrected communication. It's going to be a resurrected love for other people. It's going to be a resurrected willingness to, to serve God and obey God and to be a servant of Him and to, to walk in holiness. It's going to be a, a resurrected peace and a resurrected trust and, and a resurrected joy. And that's what I need. Because brother, before coming to Christ Jesus, all of those things in my life had the stench of death upon them. And while I was sincere in my lifestyle, while I was adamant about who I was, I was sincerely wrong, and I was perishing day by day. But when Christ Jesus came into my life, and through faith, and I was born again, something happened when I got the, resur uh, the revelation of not only that He saved me from hell, but He saved me in this life as well. And if I walk in the Spirit, I'm not going to see the fulfillment of the lust of the flesh, and I can have a victory now. That this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Folks, He brings us to new life, but it's our lack of faith, our pride, our rebellion that resurrect the sin nature. And so we've got to keep ourselves in Christ. And so first thing was uh, the cross was the double cure. The second thing is that we're in Christ. The third thing is it was entirely for us. Everything, folks, that Jesus Christ done, 
upon the cross of Calvary, upon the death, burial, and resurrection, was for our benefit. And brother, I think we forget that sometimes. We forget, we think, we forget, we, we quote John 3.16, but we don't really have a revelation of John 3.16. Does it say, for God so loved Himself? Does it say because God was on such a, a spiritual ego trip that he, that, he, that he gave His only Son? Does it say that God was so disappointed? In that? It doesn't say that. It says, for God so loved who? He loved the world. And when I'm talking about the world, I'm not talking about terra firma. I'm not talking about mountains and seas. Uh, he's talking about the people in the world. He's talking about those, the inhabitants of that. And so, for God so loved us that He gave His Son. Folks, listen. Everything that God has done, He has done entirely for us. How many of you, times have you heard people, and Deb and I was talking about this after the program yesterday. People say, listen, I just finally come to the realization it's not about me, it's all about God. Now, brother, that's not, a, that's not revelation at all. That's confusion and that's error. Folks, listen, it is not all about God. It is all about us. And so God, once I said He's not on some celestial ego trip thinking I'm going to do all these things. God so loved you. God loved me. All these things that God does is because He wants to reconcile us to Himself. God is the, the self-existent one. He is God all by Himself. He, he didn't need us, but He loved us. And He desires to do these things for us. And He desired to pour His life out for us. When Jesus prayed, He said, Father, I don't, I don't pray because I doubt. He said, I pray that they might have the benefit of this prayer. He does those things for us. Folks, listen. That, that, all that sounds good that it's, it's all about uh, God but, uh, uh, but not about us. But what it does, it just removes our responsibility or our ability to respond to Him. And so if, if, if my children, if I'm telling them to do something and, and they, they reason within themselves, well, He really wasn't talking to us. He really didn't mean us. They're not going to feel obligated to do anything. But folks, listen. He died for us. He rose again for us. He lived for us. And He's coming back for us. And so if, if He could do those things for us, it ought to motivate us to do something for Him. We ought to have a reciprocal type of attitude in our faithfulness to the, to, the, to the faithfulness that God demonstrated and the love that God, more importantly, demonstrated us through the cross. And so folks, it was for our victory that He came and died. It was for our healing that He came and died. It was for our deliverance that He came and died. It was for all of the things that, 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 that work against us and, 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 and that, that want to defeat us that Jesus came on the cross of Calvary and died for. So the, you've got to remember, number three, that everything that He did was entirely for us. Did you have a comment that you want to make on that? i just thinking again about... Uh the things that are said out there. I mean, I've heard it many times, and I've seen banners. It's all about Jesus. Yep. And that does sound good, but you talked before, Pastor, about uh, sometime going through all those different things that are said in the church that are just really good sayings, and they're, right. they don't have any spiritual, you know, there's no word really to back them up. And that's something to really help people, you know. I mean, I, I know it's helped me. Absolutely, and, and brother, I don't want anybody to get the uh, the idea that we're, all of our worship is for Him. All of those, there's certain things that are totally directed towards Him. Our faithfulness is directed towards Him. Our worship, our adoration, all those things are His. But these things, the attributes of what happened in the cross, was not about Him. It was all about us, because He didn't need redeeming. He didn't need salvation. He's holy. He's just by virtue of His nature. And he's always been. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. All of those things, the reason that the, He came 
was for us. And if we can look at what He did upon the cross, the suffering that He bore upon Himself, His, his hands being pierced, His side being pierced, the crown of thorns, they, they, they tore His flesh. Folks, that was for you and that was for me. Now, folks, we've got to get a revelation of all those things that were done for us. But the good news is, brother, He rose again for us. Amen. And He's going to come back right. for us one day that where Amen. He is that we can be also. And so, uh, the cross was the double cure. We are in Christ. It was entirely for us. And number four, folks, it takes faith. It takes faith. Everything that we've studied up to this point, that we've looked at, all the solutions, the victory, folks, it takes faith. The bottom line is that's what it's going to take for us. Because we were not physically with Christ there at Calvary, and only spiritually speaking through faith, it really, brother, it, it takes faith to see what the cross uh, was and what it did for me. And we must have faith in what Jesus did. We've talked about it many times, and Deb made time, she can type the, the definition of the word faith. Faith, you know, if you want an English spelling of that word, it's pistis, P I S T I S. And it's the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. And so, everything that we say, or anything that we believe and we walk in, any victory that we have, has got to come out of the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. It's got to come from that place of faith. Now think about Hebrews 11.6. And she can put this quotation uh, on there as well, this reference. It says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that... that diligently. How do they seek Him? They diligently seek Him. Now if He puts in there that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him... What about those that do not diligently seek Him? Is there a reward? There's no reward. The reward comes with being diligent towards Him. So folks, it's impossible. I want to say this. I want you to hear this. Do not miss this point. It's impossible to have faith in something unknown. You hear me? It's it's impossible to have faith in something that you know absolutely nothing about. And And here's what I mean by that. If a person does not realize or know that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus also broke the dominion of the sin nature from them, not just from hell, but it did not also break the dominion of the sin nature from them, they will never be able to walk in that type of faith. Why is that so important? He, uh, Hosea, the prophet Hosea 4, chapter, 6, chapter 4, verse 6, says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What happens is, faith comes out of our knowledge of God. And so, even at the even at the most simplistic place in the at the at the uh, at the start of the new birth, when when he comes and he reveals himself to us, when the gospel is presented to us and we we we're convicted of our sin, what happens? We have a knowledge of him at that point, and that knowledge is that there is somebody that saved me, that somebody that's influenced me by grace, and I come to that place. But what are we to do after that? We once we come into that relationship, brother, we're to continue to seek after the knowledge of God. We're to study, as as Paul told Timothy. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. You know, uh, a workman who need not be ashamed. What did you say? What was the comment you made? Acts 11, yeah, Acts eleven seventeen. Search the Scriptures to, to know if it's so. And so that knowledge comes and we hide like David said. I've hidden his word in my heart that I won't sin against him. Folks, you cannot have faith in something that you don't know. Hebrews tells us that faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And so when we're here, folks, listen, my, my heart, is my, my desire is... God, give me the ability. Give me what Paul said. Give me the, the utterance, so to speak, to, 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 to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Lord God, give me something. Give me the tool in, in just teaching this Word to somehow to deposit faith in folks so that faith can produce a victory. 
And if, and if I fail at that, folks, I've failed at the complete task that God has for me. God, I've got to come to that place where, where, where we're speaking forth that Word, that Word that's a lamp into our feet, that's a light into our path, that's going to be a faith builder in someone, that's going to bring a truth, that's, that's going to bring a victory for your life. And so His people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But unless people have the knowledge of the truth through faith, they're never going to be able to walk in that. That's why the Word tells us, how will they know unless we preach? How can we preach unless we, we're sin? How can they hear without a preacher? How beautiful are the feet of those that preach good news? Folks, listen. And, and we, opened the, we opened the show this morning talking about the whole purpose in, in, of this program is to equip you for the ministry. That is that ministry of going out with that word of faith. That word of faith in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ Jesus. That hope of glory. The, the, not only the victory over hell at the end, but the victory over the sin nature in the now. And we've got to preach a word of victory. That this is the victory that overcomes even our faith and giving people that ability. But unless the church goes out and begins to, to bring that word to the lost and dying, not, not as we begin to warehouse people and we begin to, to recycle believers and move them around from church to church, but folks, there's people out there that are dying to go into hell. I've stood flat-footed in the red light district of Amsterdam in Holland and, and watched as, as girls are put in, in windows and, and sold into prostitution. And, and young men are bound by, by drugs and alcohol. We, we've been on the streets of Los Angeles and seen 25,000 people homeless and, 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 and desperate for an answer. Been on the, 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 the lower Wacker Drive in the, the undercity of Chicago and, and in the streets of, of New York and, and in the French Quarter and in the, the projects of, 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 of New Orleans and literally across this nation and seen that, that people are dying for lack of knowledge that no one knows. We've met people in, in 2007 in this, this age of mass media that have never, never heard a presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've heard about Him as some figure or there's some religious thing, but no one has ever sat down by them and gave them a word, gave them that word that's going to bring a revelation to their life that's going to produce victory for them. Folks, listen, we've got to have faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to believe Him, to, 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 to trust Him, to know Him, to, to come to that, that knowledge, to, 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 to uh, please Him. But without, but without someone preaching and teaching that Word, that faith can never come. And so even the aspect, we talked about that double cure in point one. Many people have got the, the, the faith for, to keep them out of hell. But they do not have the, the faith because no one's ever told them that Jesus Christ also died to break the dominion of sin off of you. If you've had a bondage in your life, there is hope for you at the cross of Calvary. I've given the testimony before. I was standing in uh, uh, North Hollywood, California during a major gay pride event. And uh, uh, there, a young man came up to me that was bound by homosexuality. 100,000 radical militant homosexuals. He came and began to cuss me out. And I hadn't even talked to him. And, uh, and he told me, he said, I know why you're here. You're here to protest homosexuality. And I breathed a sigh of relief and I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not here to protest anything. I'm out here to promote Jesus. And he pointed and he said, what about that? And it was a cross that a young man was, was holding there on the street. And I said, well, what about that? And he said, I know all about that. I said, do you? I said, what you don't know is that's the universal sign of hope. I said, the only one that has given hope to the homosexual is the one that hung upon that cross 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus. I said, in your community, if you come down with AIDS, there's no cure. They might lengthen your life, but they say eventually it's going to get you one way or the other. The only one that gave you hope was the one that said, by his stripes you were healed. You know what I just did to him? I gave the revelation of the cross to him without him even knowing that I was preaching the word to him. 
And I could see a light come on. And I ended up getting to pray with this young man that day to accept that hope. And he had told me, he said, listen, he said, people, I argue with Christians. They say that I, I, you know, I was born a homosexual. And they say I wasn't. And I told him, I said, I have no problem with that. We were born lost and without hope. I said, my sin just never manifested itself in homosexuality. It manifested itself in other types of perversion. I said, you may have been born that way, but you don't have to be born again that way. And what did I do? I gave him a revelation and built up faith in him to have victory in his life. Folks, listen. People are destroyed by lack of knowledge. And the lack of knowledge is there because people, the church, has failed to go out with what we know, with the revelation of the cross of Calvary, and preach to the lost and dying that are out into the world. So, first thing, the cross was a double cure. Not only did it save us from hell, but it brought us victory over the sin nature. Second thing, it was the second thing that we are in Christ, that we are identified with Him in, in not only His death, but His resurrection. Third thing is it was entirely for us. All the benefits of the cross were done for us. Fourthly, it takes faith. And number five, folks, there has got to be the right confession. Now, when you say confession in a lot of, a lot of places, brother, you get some twisted things that have nothing to do. And people say, you know, if they, hey, how are you feeling? Well, I'm not, I'm not claiming sick. That's not what he's talking about when he's talking about confession. And people will say, well, I'm just not... Well, uh, well, what the doctors say, well, the doctor said this, but I'm not confessing that. Well, I'm not asking you to confess. That's not even what the Bible's talking about. When, when somebody asks you that, they're just asking you what the, 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 the seemingly factual evidence. There's facts out there. Brother, how, how much money you got? Well, I'm broke. Well, don't confess that or you're going to be broke. No, that's just the fact of the matter is. Why does he say confess our sins or our faults one to another that we can be healed? And so if I never admit I have a fault, I'm never confessing those type of things. But folks, listen, what, what, he's talking, what I'm talking about here and what Paul's trying to address in these first seven and a half chapters is, is really what the heart of, and we'll get into this deeper into Romans 10.10, 10, but I'm going to use that scripture from Romans 10.10 10 to explain this to you. Now, Romans 10.10 10 says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The, the confession of a heart is, is going to be what's, what's implanted in our heart. This involves speaking out of the abundance of the heart. And so, and listen, our, our confession or the testimony of our mouth has got to be right. And so if we're, if we're walking in that, that, that word, what's, what are we going to be confessing? We're going to be confessing, and when I use that word, I, it's, it's a tough word to use because it's been so twisted and, and misapplied. But when I'm confessing, what's going to come out is the confession that Jesus saves, that Jesus delivers, that Jesus brings victory, that Jesus heals, that, that Jesus raises the dead. And so where's that going to come out of? The mouth's going to speak out of the abundance of the heart. What, what people do when they twist it is they try, to, they try to confess something that's not in order to hope that it becomes that way. Now, when I, my confession is truth. My confession is not based upon fact. It's based upon truth. Now, all facts not necessarily contain truth. But the truth is always the fact of the matter is. And the fact of the matter is that you can have victory through the blood of Jesus Christ. That you can have a power through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can have hope. You can have deliverance. You're, you, you, can, you can see victory over, over cancer and, and over MS and over diabetes and over problems with your bones and joints and over neurological disorders and gastrointestinal problems. You can have victory over lust and you can have victory over things. What is that? That is speaking out of the abundance of me being increased 
Christ Jesus, being built up in faith, and, and speaking forth the revelation that has become true into my life. And so, out of those type of things is going to flow the issues of life. And so, our confession has got to be right, but it's got to be right based upon righteousness, not to be based upon rightness. Okay? And so, uh, that's, the, that's the fifth thing. The sixth thing is, is that the Holy Spirit, folks, is here for us. Brother, you know what? We, we, we quote and we talk about it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit. Folks, listen. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's God the Holy Ghost. And, and, and it says in John 14, in John 16, excuse me, it says that the, the Holy Spirit won't just be with you, but He'll be in you. It says that I promise you another comforter. And on the day of Pentecost... The, the Spirit was poured out, and, it, and He said it's not only for, for these, but all those that will believe. And so if I believe and I ask the Holy Spirit to come into my life, the Word of God tells me that how much more of the Holy Spirit will He give to those that ask? And so on a daily basis, you need to get in the habit, literally. You need to be habitually asking to seek out earnestly the best gifts, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You need to say, you know what, God? I want everything that you have for me. Holy Spirit, I need you to come in and empower me. Oftentimes, uh, Romans says, that we don't even know how we pray, but, uh, but the, the, the Spirit maketh uh, intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I need to pray in the Holy Ghost, building up my most holy faith. And so, folks, listen. The Holy Ghost... The Holy Spirit is, is there for you to give you the victory. When we walk in the Spirit, the Word says, then we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so what we've got to do is come to the point where we know that we've got to stay in tune with the Spirit of God. Not the flesh that's unwilling, but the Spirit of God, which is always willing, which is always able, which is always capable, which is always victorious, that always gives us power. Acts 1 and 8. You'll receive power... When the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness. To, to, and what's that? The word witness is what's interesting. It doesn't mean a street preacher. It doesn't mean an evangelist. It's the word martos. And it means, that's where we get our word martyr. And so if the Spirit comes upon me, you know what He empowers me to do? Die to myself. Now think about that. What's a martyr do? He dies to himself for the cause of Christ. And you, folks, shall have power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness, a witness to what? A witness to denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following after Him. Certainly that's going to involve preaching the gospel. Certainly that's going to involve being evangelist. Certainly it's going to involve those type of things. But first and foremost, it involves being the martos. It involves when the Spirit of God comes upon me, I can now say no to the flesh. I can now say no to that habit. I can now say no to that alcohol. I can now say no to those cigarettes. I can now say no to that lust. I can now say no to that pride. I can now say no to that jealousy. I can now say no to those type of things that beforehand I couldn't say no to. Because all I had was the, res the, the revelation of, man, praise God that Jesus came and died, I don't have to go to hell. But when the Holy Ghost has come upon me, brother, you know what? It's like Jeremiah says, it's like a fire that shut up in my bones. It's the ability to overcome through the Spirit of God, not by the might, not by power, but by the Spirit that's inside of me. I've got a victory, I've got a power that's going to be able to look into the face of my adversary, which in most cases is not the devil, it's my old sin nature that's always trying to step back up and I can say no. That I am, I am identified, I am in Christ and I was in Christ and all those things were nailed to the cross of Calvary and the new man, the new nature that is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think has taken up residence in my life and now the power of God is fixed and flowing through my 
life. Are you, are, you, are you getting that today, folks? I sure hope you can because I always say it's too early in the morning to be preaching like this, but sometimes you just got to. And so it's the Holy Spirit that is the enabler and the strength that is coming into our life through all this stuff that Paul's talking about in these first seven and a half chapters. The seventh thing is, uh, is it covers all sin. Do you hear me? It covers every single sin. Nothing is left out. And brother, I think that's the toughest part for people. Uh, you know, I, I shared when I was pastoring in Texas, there was a couple that had come to the church, and uh, the, the girl was just distraught. Her husband, was, uh, was he'd get paid on Friday, he'd go and be vanished for two days, he'd spend all the money on drugs. And so she came and she was saying, I really need, I want, I want you to go and talk to my husband so that he'll get saved. And because he's spending all this money on drugs, he's not there for our family, blah, blah, blah. And they, they weren't people that were faithful to the church. Their, their parent, her parents were people that had come to the church. So I go, and I began to witness to this young man. I began to preach the revelation of the cross. Not just to save you out of hell, but to give you victory over sin. And you know what happened, brother? He got he saved. He got saved. That brother laid that stuff down. The yoke of sin and the dominion of the, the, the old man was broken off of his life. And so he goes home, and man, you know what? He's excited. He's excited because his wife wanted him to come talk to me. Man, and he got born again and he went back to that house and he told his wife, he said, it is time for a house cleaning. She didn't like it. No, he, he said, it's time to get rid of all these bad movies. He said, we're throwing the cigarettes out. He said, uh, all that wine that we had stored up. He said, all this junk that we've been involved with. All this questionable literature that we have. He said, we are doing a house cleaning and we're serving Jesus. But a few minutes later, my phone rings. And it's the same wife that said, talk to him. She's saying, you know what? Marty has gone off the deep end. I used his real name. You don't know him anyway. He said, he's gone off the deep end. He came home and, and, and he thinks, just because he got saved, that, that he's got to give up everything. And I said, and? And she said, well, you just can't do that. I said, yeah, you can do that. Anyway, so I went to the house and began to talk to them. And it's what she wanted. She didn't want this guy born again by the blood of Jesus. She wanted his sin manageable. She didn't want him born again and victorious. What she wanted him to do was stop spending all the money on his drug habit. She didn't care if he smoked because she smoked. She didn't care if he watched filth because she watched filth. She didn't care how he talked because she talked that way. All she wanted him to do is stop spending all the money. And so she wanted a financial counselor. She didn't want the wonderful counselor who is the Holy Ghost a promise to come into his life. And so I told them both on the spot. I said, I, said, I, I called her by name. I said, listen, if, if you do not walk in this as well, I said, what you're going to do is see the destruction of your marriage. Two can't walk together unless they be in agreement. And I said, not only that, because you are yoked together, you're going to see him fall back. Not only that lifestyle, but ten times worse. And that's exactly what happened. She wanted him to get enough revelation to not do drugs or spend their money on drugs, but not enough revelation to get total victory. Their marriage ended in divorce. He went back into that. And I think she's been through two or three husbands since then because they did not want to see all the sin dealt with, only part of it. And I'll ask this question. We've got a big audience here today. You know, How about you? Is there some sins that you've coddled or catered to? That you've said to yourself, listen, I'm going to hold on to some of those sins, or I'm going to, to, to make. Folks, listen, either everything is nailed to the cross, or nothing is nailed to the cross. As sincere as you've been, 
You've been sincerely in error. You've been sincerely walking in a deluded form and you have not seen the grace of God manifest itself because you have not diligently sought Him. Father, I pray for those, Lord God, that are, that are struggling with point number seven, not realizing, Lord God, that all of our sin was defeated at the cross of Calvary. Every thought unto captivity, Lord God, every deed, every action. And Father, I'm praying today, Lord God, that You would give them, Lord God, a revelation, a realization of that victory, Lord God, over every single sin regardless of how small it looks, how trivial, Lord God, or how enormous that it is, Lord God, you would show them, Lord God, that by one fell swoop, Lord God, of the blood of Jesus, those things can be obliterated from their lives. Lord God, I pray for hope to come in. Lord God, for faith to be built up as this Word's being preached this morning and taught, Lord God, from the Word of God, that they might have victory over sin and no longer will it have dominion over their lives in Jesus' name. Which brings us to verse number 8. And number eight is, we, we have victory. We have victory. We're not looking for victory. We have victory. The point number eight is we've got to realize that we have victory. And folks, why that is so important, and again, I love Pastor Sam's quote, and I think I, I have to quote him, give him credit one more time, that I can just say it without giving him credit for it. Just teasing, brother. That's what I do to you. Yeah, that's what you do to me. But, you know, he, he made the point that we're not fighting for victory, fighting from victory. And that's such a beautiful way to say it because it really sums it up. Folks, listen, your victory has already been won. But the, the, the trouble with Christianity today is many people are trying to engage in battles that have already been won. And so what you do is you engage an adversary and basically you discount the victory that God has already given and you engage in a battle. And so what you do is you get you a bottle of oil and you start fighting all these things that have already been fought. You start trying to, to bind these things that have already been bound. You start doing all these things that God has already fit. Rather than putting your faith on the cross of Calvary and dropping back to number five and say, Devil, you've already been defeated. And so what we end up doing is we start, uh, we start trying to tell Jesus about our, uh, our, our, our problems rather than telling our problems about Jesus. Do you hear me? And so we, we, we need to start stop telling our battles and start saying, you know, battle, you're here. And, you know, you're so... And just start saying to our battles and recognizing that we have a victory that, that, I've, been, that I've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed. I no longer work in that. I'm, I am the, the, the resurrection and, uh, of life has come into my life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have got a victory in my life that has already been won and I can begin to, to walk in that. I've been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus loved me. Folks, listen, you've got to re- get a revelation of your victory. Because unless you see the victory, all you will walk in is the, the, the countless defeats that you've always faced time and time again. Number nine, here's, how, here's one of the things that's going to get you there, and it's called discipline. The ninth thing that, that Paul is teaching us through all these seven and a half ch- chapters of the book of Romans is discipline. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as that you are partakers of Christ's suffering that when His glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Folks, listen. The Word tells us that He chastens those that He loves. He disciplines those that He loves. There's, part of the discipline comes what God brings into our life through conviction, through chastening, through dealing with us through the Word, through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The other part of that is is we're walking in faith, the discipline that comes into our life. Part of the discipline that God had to bring into my life as a not only a believer but as a minister of the Gospel is the discipline of patience. 
Because I have, I have a tendency, and people may still say, man, he's going 100 miles an hour. But everything I do is, is really methodical. I don't mind waiting on God to do type of things. I'm going to occupy until He comes. You're, you're going to find me so doing. But as far as the promises of God or the vision that He has given us on a personal level and for this ministry, I'm very patient in regards to those things. I've learned to be disciplined. Because here's the thing. If you're disciplined and you're patient in things, even if you're making a misstep, when you're disciplined and patient, you're not making ten missteps. Folks, it's easier to correct one misstep than it is ten. And so if I can be patient in things and not find myself diving off the, the deep end of circumstance, and I'm saying that I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be patiently waiting upon the voice of God. I'm going to, I'm going to serve myself upon Him. And I'm going to know in, in, that if, if I'm not growing weary and well-doing, that in due season I'll reap if I do not faint. I've got to have that due season mentality. You know what? It's not happening right now. But I've, I've disciplined myself with the patience to say, you know what? The God is going to happen. You know, brother, there's things that the Lord spoke to me 20 years ago that I've had to patiently wait for even to this day. That I see them out there in the future. I know that they're there. But, you know, for me, I could rush myself in there, make all these missteps, and push that further back into my destiny. But what I want to do is I want to patiently wait for the fulfillment of those things. And folks, you've got to allow the discipline. What he's saying here in, 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 in 1 Peter is, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials. The fiery trials are not something that's there to destroy you. They're to purge you. They're the things to open your eyes and remove the dross from your life. All those things that have been in your heart and your life that are going to bring destruction. And so we've got to come to the point where we're seeing those things and that discipline is going to come into our life and bring victory. And the tenth thing is, is it's the flesh and the spirit. And so when we walk in the flesh and we understand the flesh and the spirit, we're going to realize that those things are warring against one another. That inside of us there's these two warring members, these things that, that are always combating one another. They're coming against one another. But, there's, but when we're walking in the spirit, that there's no more habitual sinning. 1 John 1 and 9. It says this, if we, we realize that we're in the Spirit and that God has given us an ability in the Spirit, but at the same time, we realize that we have a victory. But brother, just because we have a victory doesn't mean that we're not going to face failure. And I want to say that. Just because we have a victory does not mean that we're going to, ha- we're going to face failure. But the good news is that knowing that there's still that old nature, but then we don't have to continue to habitually sin according to the flesh. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. He says, if we confess our sins. And so he's, he's, he's acknowledging that there's going to be sin that comes into our life. There's going to be the situations. But He's also establishing that if we confess, confess our sins, that He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And finally, 1 John 2.1, My little children, these are the things I write to you, that you sin not. But if any man does sin, you may sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus our Lord, who is righteousness. And so, folks, listen. There's a battle between number 10, a flesh and the spirit. And it's got to come to the point where we realize that the flesh is always worn against the spirit, but that we have an advocate with the Father that's going to bring victory to us. Folks, we are totally out of time this morning. I'll touch on those last two points again tomorrow for those that got dropped off from the live program. But this is going to be available to you live on, the, on, our, on our website today. Anyway, we've got a bit of advice as we go. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.